So today uh, we are entering into our Advent season, uh, which is uh, four weeks prior to Christmas, um, uh, the season on the Christian calendar when the church celebrates the Advent or the arrival of Jesus of Nazareth, when he was born, uh, the coming, his first coming to earth. And historically at Refuge, we join our brothers and sisters literally around the world who are celebrating the Advent season and doing this very thing. And we preach through four different themes during Advent, uh, one being hope, uh, we find hope in Jesus, the second being love, that nobody loves like Jesus did and the great love in which he continues to love us, joy, because knowing Jesus and him knowing us brings us great joy uh, in knowing him for sure. And then the peace that only Jesus can bring uh, is our fourth and final sermon that we'll do in this series. You know, we don't do small mini series like this very often, uh, but Advent is one of those seasons that we actually do uh, that very thing. And so day, today we kick off our series uh, with hope. And so the Bible has a lot of things to say uh, about hope, and, and biblical hope is at its foundational, uh, at its foundation really is faith in Jesus. That's where we find our hope, is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, let, let's clarify a couple of things whenever we're talking about this. Um, uh, the word in English, when you say hope, kind of has this connotation toward doubt, okay? So when we talk about hope in our own language, we can kind of think of those kind of things. For instance, I hope it will not rain tomorrow, right? It's like, I don't know if it's going to or not, but I sure hope it doesn't because I've got plans and I, you know, I've got things that I need to do, so I hope it doesn't rain. We use that way, we use hope that way most of the time in our own uh, English language. Or to uh, to bring it a little closer to home on Rivalry Weekend, uh, some of you probably wish that Lane Kiffin would stay, and some of you wish, you hope that he'll go, and some of you even hope that he'll stay again. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure there's that many of the, you fans left after last weekend. Uh, and then I know that there are many of you Memphis fans that hope that you'll have a new coach uh, for your football team, right? It's okay to say amen to that if you're a Memphis fan. Um, uh, or, uh, and, and so many times in this hope thing, and back to get serious time, uh, hope is followed by so, like, I hope so. I hope so, man. What do you think about this? Well, I hope so. You know, I, I hope that's going to happen, pastor. Like if I were to ask you, uh, this question, um, do you believe you'll go to heaven when you die? Some of you might say, I hope so. I, I hope so, preacher. I mean, I've got a pretty good percentage, I think, that I'm probably going to make it, so I hope so. I mean, I'm saying there's a chance. I hope so, preacher. We'll see, preacher. You know, well, when I get there, we'll, we'll see. I hope so. But the biblical meaning of the word hope is much different than that in the Bible. That, that's the way we use it in our English language. Here in America, that's the kind of the way that we go. But the Bible uses hope in a very different way. Uh, the old, in the Old Testament, uh, there's a Hebrew word called batah, and it has the meaning of confidence, security, and being without care. And so the concept of doubt is not even part of this word. 
And, and so in most Testament, that's in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, the word, uh, uh, the, the Greek word for hope is elpizo. Say that with me, elpizo. I'm teaching you some good new Greek words. Um, and, and so there's no doubt attached to this word hope whenever we get into the scriptures. And, and so, uh, so we would say this, biblical hope is a confident expectation or assurance based upon a sure foundation. A confident expectation or assurance based on a sure foundation. A hope for which we wait with joy and with full confidence. That's what we wait for in the hope that we have. In other words, we're saying there's no doubt about it. We talk about biblical hope. We're saying it is sure. It is confident. I don't have any doubts about it. Or the thing that we're talking about, there's no doubt. There's no shadow of turning within it. Uh, There's no doubt about it. And so one of the places that we find uh, this word hope is in Hebrews chapter 11. So turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11. That's in the Newer Testament, further on over. So dig around in there and see if you can find Hebrews 11. I'm going to read the first verse, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of, of things not seen. And, and so this, um, this, this, this verse is at the beginning of what we call the faith chapter. If you're familiar with the scriptures at all, in Hebrews chapter 11, you see the words, the, a lot of verses that will start with, by faith, this person did X or Y or Z. And he goes back to some Old Testament saints for the most part, and he talks about by faith, this person did this, but he was trusting fully in God. By faith, this person did that. By faith, this person did that. And, and they were doing these things in Hebrews chapter 11, was referencing them because they had this sure confidence, this confidence that the things that they were doing, the result would come about for sure. They had confidence in the reason that they were doing it. No questions. We've been promised by God and what he has said, and so we have confidence in what it is that we're doing. I actually love the first three verses of chapter 11. Look what it says. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out, was uh, not made out of things that are visible. So Christian faith. I, before I get into that, I, I love verse three. I, I love verse three in Hebrews chapter eleven because it says, "By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible." And so that, that, think about what it's saying there. It's like everything that we see today, everything that we can lay our eyes on today was made out of something that was not able to be seen. You see that? The things that are seen today, the things that we can lay our eyes on today were made out of things that are not able for us to be able to see. That's crazy, right? But it's really cool. Uh, it's just one of my favorite verses to read. And so... Christian faith is not a, a faith that lives on the things that we can see or a faith that we can muster up, but rather on the rock of our salvation, the Lord Jesus. Our faith is built on him. We sing about that. We talk about that. We're even going to talk about that a little bit further in the summer, or in the, in the summer, uh, in the sermon. <laughs> Sorry, I'm cold. Uh, 
So the, he, the actions of the heroes of the faith that we read about, if you, and I would encourage you if you've never read Hebrews chapter 11, to go back maybe this afternoon and read through chapter 11, or maybe if it's been a while since you've read it, to go back and be encouraged by the people that you read about in Hebrews chapter 11, maybe even later on today. And, and so all the actions of the people that get recorded in Hebrews 11 were made possible by this faith that they had in their, or, or their confidence, assurance, or their hope that they had in God. And as, uh, as, uh, as believers, the apostle Peter calls us to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. As a matter of fact, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3, turn to the right, 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to pick up reading in verse 15. Actually, we'll just read verse 15, that's what it says. 1 Peter 3, 15, but in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord, Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with uh, gentleness and respect. For the hope that lies within us. So biblical hope is, is a reality and it's not a feeling. Again, think back to the way that you talk about hope and you use the word hope. I'm hoping that something happens. I'm really I have a great desire for something to happen. So biblical hope is not based on a feeling. It's based on a, a, a reality. So there's no doubt, again, attached to this word. So let me keep going. Biblical hope is a reality and not a feeling. That's what I just said. Sorry. Uh, um, I am uh, getting ahead of myself. Sorry. So biblical hope carries no deep-seated doubt. Now, I know as Christians, many times for us, that we have doubts and, and we doubt some things. We're like, man, is that really true? And so that's a normative part of following Jesus as we read the scriptures and as we come through some texts. We're like, man, did that really happen? Or is this actually really true? Is what the New Testament teaching me here? Is the New Testament writer, what he says here, is that really true? I mean, it's normal as we're going through, especially as we become new Christians or as we begin to grow in our faith, it's normal to ask those questions. But the more we grow and the more that we develop a relationship with Jesus, the more we listen to the Holy Spirit, those doubts should continue to be squashed. Because as we continue to know him more, as we continue to read his word more, as the Holy Spirit continues to conform us to the image of Jesus, those doubts tend to break away from us as we go further and further and deeper and deeper into the depths that cannot be fully mined in who God actually is. And so biblical hope is this sure foundation on which we base our lives, believing that God always keeps his promises, which sounds familiar. We've said that before. He always keeps his promises. He always does what he says. He always does and acts in the way that we see him in the scriptures. And so hope for, uh, can be ours whenever we trust the words from John 6, 47. He who believes on me has everlasting life. Man, that's something we hope in, right? If you believe on me, Jesus said, you believe on me, you have everlasting life. And so look, that's not one of those things where we say, man, I hope that's true. Man, that's something I want to place my complete faith in. I want to know without a shadow of a doubt that whenever I take my last breath here, that I wake up in the presence of Jesus. That's not something that I'm just hoping for, and I'm, and I, and I'm like, man, I hope that's true. I hope I don't just end up in a casket, and that's the end of all things. But I'm hoping, or I'm believing, or I'm resting in this assurance that things like that are actually going to be true. 
And so that doesn't mean we're no, that we're not, don't have any doubts, but, it doesn't mean, but what it does mean is that we're not filled with doubt. Rather, it's, we, we rest this hope, this sure foundation on the whole Word of God. That's why we preach and teach from the entire counsel of the Word of God. It's why you should read your scriptures on a regular basis so that you intake the Word of God on a regular basis and the Holy Spirit continues to impart these truths to you. We can trust and we can put our hope in the entirety of who God is, his character, that we can rest in the promises that he gives, that they are true. And we can rest fully in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we can trust that the gospel is true. And it's not some fleeting story that we, that we preach about and we teach about, but it's actually true. And we can live our lives according to the fact that the gospel is true. Now, some of you... Uh, no doubts, uh, have walked into a church service like this and you just grit your teeth and bear it till the end. And you're like, man, I'm just trying to make it through the end of this service and uh, so I don't, I'm not really listening to a whole lot you're saying, preacher. I'm just trying to make it to the end. And, and so if you're that person, I really want you to listen to what it means to have biblical hope. I want all of us to hear it. But specifically, if you're that person that goes, man, I haven't been back to church in a while, or this is my first time in a minute, and I, I didn't want to be here anyway, uh, man, just, just tune me in for the next 20 minutes and listen as I talk about the hope that you can have. Maybe you're here without any hope. Maybe you walked in today and you're like, man, my situation is hopeless. I don't have a lot of hope in anything. And I'm just here because I was made to come here today. Then this message, I hope and I believe, will be for you. The Bible gives us this word hope to hold on to all throughout the scriptures. It appears nearly a hundred times in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so we know that the word of God is alive. It appears, it, it literally sometimes just leaps off the page at us as we read it and as we study it. What does the Bible really have to say about hope? Is, is hope something that we can trust in? Is hope something that we can believe in? Is hope something that we can build upon? Well, I want to give you some examples in scripture uh, that, I, that I hope and I trust will be uh, encouraging to you today. Well, well, this first thing is that hope is expectant. Hope is expectant. Uh, in the Old Testament, there are two Hebrew words used to indicate trust uh, in God, not to disappoint us. And I'm not even going to try to say them uh, because I butcher Hebrew words greatly. Um, you, you can find this hope in, in biblical prayers that you read. Um, they express belief in God that he will transform people's desires and maybe even the reality that they live in. Again, we see that all through the Old Testament as, as God is taking his people, Israel, through lots of different places and lots of different uh, uh, situations that they find themselves in. But we see them having hope. We see them having a, a, a trust in God despite what their circumstances may have looked around them. They continue to have this hope that God has promised this to us. He promised this to our forefathers, Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, and they continue to trust. Even through times of doubt, even through times of rebellion, the hope was still there. The possibility was still there. Sorry, excuse me. They began to continue, they continue, not began to, but they continued to go on through their lives uh, 
with not, not wondering or not a wishing, but an in real anticipation of what God was actually going to do. The Psalms are chocked full of hope for God's deliverance. Isaiah 40, 31 assures us uh, those of ho who hope in the Lord, he will renew their strength. Like those of us who hope or trust in the Lord, he will renew their strength. Anybody needing that strength from the Lord today? The scriptures promise us that he will renew our strength whenever we need him. And so our hope is not in doubting God's power, not in being a place that we're like, well, I'm sure God doesn't see me or I'm God, God doesn't even know who I am, but trusting that God will actually do what he said that he will do. Even Job, in his situation where he was, Job would say, even though God slays me, even though you slay me, God, yet will I trust in you. And he will hope in it. One of the, some translations say, yet will I hope in you which means I will trust in you. That certainty that God has the power and God has the ability to actually do the things that he says that he's going to do. And then as the scripture moves from the Old Testament to the New Testament, uh, God shares his plan to, to raise the dead, uh, to give everlasting life. Uh, there, there's one of these in, uh, a biblical encyclopedia or these biblical dictionaries that explains how... Um, uh, a hope actually gives us victory over our daily troubles that we might even have. And that our hope that we, that, we, that we place our hope in our own salvation that comes from God alone. That Jesus will actually deliver us from the dominion of death. And he will, he will come, one, the scripture says he came once to save us. And secondly, he'll come again in power and glory. And listen, that's hope. As, as Christians, we have hope that Jesus will come again, Right? And that doesn't mean we, we, we really, man, I, I hope that happens. That means that we have a trust and assurance that there will actually be a second coming of Jesus. Because one, we trust in the first coming of Jesus. We, we trust in his uh, life that he lived, the sinless life that he lived, the fact that he died on the cross for our sins. We trust in the fact that God raised him from the dead. And if we as Christians believe that piece of it, if you can grasp onto that, then we have to believe that the rest of the story is true, that actually Jesus will come a second time. Amen? Yeah, and we can hold on to that uh, very peace. He'll come again in power and glory. 1 Peter 1, 3, 13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for actions and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk about that verse for a second. Uh, he says, preparing your minds for action... And being sober-minded. So what he says is that we don't close our minds off as Christians. We don't do this blind following of Jesus. We don't do this mindless activity where we're just kind of sitting here and, and we're just kind of going through the motions and we're just kind of along for the ride. No, he says that we prepare our minds for actions and we be sober-minded. What does sober-minded mean? When I say I need you to be sober-minded in this, in this situation, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means to be clear thinking, not to have anything inhibiting what it is that we're thinking, not have anything bringing distractions to us. Sober-minded means I'm thinking clearly, I'm taking in what I'm being told, I'm processing this in my mind, and I'm reacting or acting on this information that I've processed in my mind. That's being sober-minded. 
Very clear thinking, very intentional thinking, very intentionally in, uh, embracing the information that comes at me. So being fully sober-minded, he says, this is an intentional thing. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when things get hard, when things get difficult, what Peter was saying is, set your mind on these things. That yes, it may be difficult. Yes, things may be really bad right now for you. Things may not be going your way. But set your mind on, on, on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be encouraged by that today, church. Secondly, hope demonstrates trust in God and his promises. Hope demonstrates trust in God and his promises. Scripture warns us all the time about putting our hope or our trust in anything other than God himself. In the Psalms, in Jeremiah, in Hosea, in Isaiah, we are reminded not to trust in riches. We're not to trust in idols. We're not to trust in foreign powers or a military might or uh, any other humans. Not to put our trust in anything else or anybody else. And so to trust in what it is, to put our hope in what God says and what he does, again, it's not a, oh, I hope that God does what he says he's going to do. I hope God's going to be true to what he says he's going to be true. It's rather, I hope or I trust because he's already said so. Okay? I believe this because God has already said it, and if God said it, then I'm going to believe it. If I read it in God's word, then I'm going to believe that it's absolutely true. So I have hope or I have assurance because God says so. And so the New Testament outlines specifics of God's promises that we place our hope in. Three different things, salvation, the resurrection, and the redemption of our bodies. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says this concerning our salvation. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. And so again, I want to talk to you about what that means. The hope of salvation as a helmet. So are we wishfully thinking that God is going to save us at some point? Is that where we live? Okay. Is this thing on? I'm asking you a question because I want to know where you are. Maybe you do think that. Maybe, you know, I'm just hoping God saves me. I'm hoping that what this preacher's saying is true. I hope like I hope I win the lottery. Is that where we live, Christians? Thank you. Thanks for participating today. Yes. Putting our faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. That means we're going to guard our brain. We're going to guard what we think with. We're going to protect that because it's true. And I need this to process information. I need this to think through things clearly. And so about our salvation, this is what it says. We've got to guard those things and trust that those are true. Regarding the resurrection, Paul said in Acts 23, 6, I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. And so, again, as, as Paul is using this word, hope, is he saying, man, I hope the resurrection of the dead is true. Is that the way Paul would teach us? Is that the way Paul taught in the New Testament? He's like, man, I don't know, but I hope it's true. Is that the way Paul wrote the New Testament? 
No, of course it's not. Paul wrote the New Testament saying, we have hope in this, or we have an assurance in this, the fact that the resurrection of the dead is an actual true and, and, and living thing. And because it's true, then we get to live differently. We're called to live differently. And as he, stand, as he talked about this in Acts 23, uh, I stand on trial because the hope of the resurrection of the dead. And he's like, this is what I've been preaching, and I stand on trial for this, and they're probably going to kill me for this, but I stand in it because of the hope of the resurrection. That no matter what they do, if they slay me, yet will I trust in him. And then he goes on to talk about the redemption of our bodies uh, in Romans chapter 8. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And so he's like, man, there's going to be a new body. I'm going to get a new body. And all of us middle-aged men said, amen. Yes, the new body is coming. Uh, they're coming, and, and they'll have two kidneys probably. They won't be singles anymore. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and so uh, we'll, we'll, they'll function really well for both of us. Um, and so we hope in all these things. Why do we hope in these things? Why do we have assurance in salvation and the resurrection and the redemption of our bodies? Why, why do we have hope? Why do we have assurance in these things? Why? Come on, give me a Sunday school answer. Yeah, because of Jesus, because Jesus came and he lived the life that we cannot live. That Jesus came and he died the death that you and I deserve to die. And the fact is that God raised him from the dead and he is ascended to the right hand of the Father and he is ever interceding on behalf of his people. And so for you as a follower of Jesus, uh, then he is, at your, he is at the right hand of the Father interceding on your behalf. Though you may be accused by the accuser, Jesus is going, nope, I got that guy. Nope, I got her. She's mine, no matter what our enemy may say against us. Hope demonstrates trust in God and his promises. Thirdly, hope is foundational to faith. Uh, going back to Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And again, I go back to Hebrews 11 being the hall of faith. Uh, it included Abraham. And, and, and look, think back to Abraham's story. Whenever God called Abraham uh, out of Ur, say Ur. Ur, yeah, a lot of R's. Uh, out of Ur of the Chaldeans, uh, Abraham had no idea what God was calling him to do. Think about that. He just called him out, and he, and, and he called him to himself, and he gave him something to do, and he had no idea what, he was gonna, what God was going to do with him, other than God said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Okay. You know, he had no idea what that actually meant uh, during the time. However, Ab even Abraham back in the day had a steady and a steadfastness to his hope in God. He placed his faith firmly in God and what God said and the inheritance that would be his that would be his to come. And so from the beginning God was instilling and calling forth and providing hope to be the foundation for our faith. And just like our forefathers that we read about in the Old Testament walked by faith. They walked by faith just like you and I walk by faith. We can come so we can be confident in the fact that God says these are the things that we uh, can hope for. We can be confident to know that what God says is actually true. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. 
says this, in hope, he believed against hope so that he should become the father of many nations. Again, talking about Abraham, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. And again, he's going to talk about to Abraham and said, man, there's going to be a lot of you, even though his wife was barren. Remember that story about Abraham? His wife was barren. She couldn't have children. And God had said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Your offspring shall be as the sand by the sea and with a wife that was barren. Yet Abraham believed God. Scripture said over in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the scripture says that Abraham believed God and what? It was counted to him as what? As righteousness. He's like, against all these odds, against everything that there is to say, I'm going to hope or I'm going to believe, I'm going to put my trust in what it is that you say, even though my wife is barren and can't have kids and we're getting really old, God, I'm going to trust in what it is that you have to say. And what it was that God had to say was, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And it did come to pass, just as he said. Romans chapter 8, 24 says, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he has seen? Paul's writing to the Romans, and he says, he, he says, this hope is what it is that we are saved by. And he said, hope that is not seen is not hope for who hopes in what he has seen. My friend David Barkley, um, uh, I, many of you have heard me tell the story about him. Uh, and for uh, years when I first met him, he was not a believer. Uh, when I met him, and he uh, wrestled with that. He wrestled with it for a long time, and he, uh, he and I met, and we, we went back and forth and, and wrestled back and forth and, and, and argued back and forth over uh, many different things, and early on in our relationship when we would meet and have coffee or whatever, uh, he would bring up some of the most random things, you know. I mean, where's the ark? I'm like, I don't know where the ark is. Uh, neither do you, but that's not what we're talking about here today, you know, and he would bring up some really obscure things from the scripture. And, and usually my answer was, I don't know about that, but that's not what I'm here to talk to you about today. Uh, and, and so, uh, it, it was, um, it was interesting to, uh, to talk about him and, I, and I've told you this before, but it, it's very relevant to what uh, we're talking about today. Uh, David Barkley would always say, man, if God would just stick his face through the clouds, then I could believe it would be true. I, honestly, I say that at, at many, many times at funerals that I do. I tell David's story, and, um, and, and, I, and I tell that story that if God could just stick his face through the clouds, then I would believe, right? And we would believe that. I, I mean, even if you're out here and you're a skeptic today, God stuck his face through the clouds, and you'd probably believe at that point. Although, it, although I always told him, I was like, look, dude, I'm not even sure that's the thing that convinces you because I, I, the Bible tells us that after Jesus was resurrected uh, or after that Jesus had, was uh, 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 raised from the dead, that he was talking to people and then he was, he was raised into the air and he was ascended back to the Father. And, and in the scriptures, it said some were, and many, many believed and rejoiced over that. And some stood around, they're like, yeah, I don't know yet. It said, and some were still unsure and some still did not believe. And so we can't even say that that's the thing that would cause us to necessarily believe. And you know, for me, I think it would be a lot easier lots of times if God would stick his head through the clouds. I, I think it would be, I think people, it seems like would have more faith or come to faith more easily if God, we could just see him, if we could just lay our eyes on him today. But that's not the way God let it out for us. 
And just like my friend David Barclay, it took God intervening and God giving him faith to believe and walking in on one Halloween night at a Halloween party and the Lord uh, opening his eyes to the gospel and saving him at a Halloween party. That's, if that's not refuge-ish, I don't know what is. <laughs> I mean, that screams refuge uh, uh, more than anything that I possibly know. And I, I don't necessarily think that I would do it that way, but thankfully I'm not God and I don't make those decisions. Uh, but uh, but so, so for many of you who might be wrestling, or some of you who might be wrestling with this unseen God, with the fact that we can't see him, um, th- then maybe you, that maybe you could just believe Jesus if you could see him. Again, listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 824. For in this hope we were saved. We, we were saved in this hope that there is one who has come, there is one who has lived and died and, and rose from the dead and ascended back to the Father. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. Did you hear that? Hope that is seen is not hope. If I go, well, I hope that's actually true, but I'm laying my eyes on it, that's not hoping for that. That's seeing that tangibly. For who hopes for what he sees? And this is imperative because hope or assurance in Jesus is foundational to our faith. Hope is foundational to our faith. Let's keep going, number four. Hope is not a fleeting feeling. Hope is not a fleeting feeling. Hope is how we're able uh, to feel peace or joy uh, because we have hope in Jesus, we can, exp- we can experience peace. We can experience joy. We're going to talk about those. We're going to cover those in a few of our sermons here at Advent. But hope doesn't just bubble up in us like suddenly it surprises us and I'm like, oh, I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm, I'm now suddenly I'm hopeful about that. No, instead, it really, hope is the thing that sustains us through life's troubles. Hope sustains us as we're walking through some of the dark spaces in our life. Hope is the one that whenever we think the world is crumbling in and around us, hope is many times the things that gets us through that steadfast hope, that steadfast trust, that steadfast belief in the Lord Jesus Christ is the thing that carries us through this. We say this when it's appropriate, and, uh, and I think now is certainly one of those times. Uh, th- this family certainly seen, this church family has certainly seen its share of tough times and, and difficult times and trials. And troubles, and it's not just isolated to our church family. Uh, there, there's that that happens all around us. We just know we just know it very up close and personal over the past few years. Many of our brothers and sisters, and many of our brothers and sisters around the world, endure lots of trouble and lots of trials. As a matter of fact, I uh, saw a video online this week of a church in the Middle East. Uh, and the, uh, the pastor of this church and other church members were in there, and, and, uh, and, and these 10 to 12 people came to their church building, pulled the pastor out of this church, and with these long, big branches, like these big sticks, just started to beat him with them. And just, just beat him and beat him from all different angles, and it was interesting. You know, I, I think, I mean, if you're starting to beat me with big sticks... I think I'm, I'm going to try to get away from you or I'm going to try to shield myself from these, from these blows that come to me. I think that's what I would do. But it's very interesting watching this pastor in this video. 
You know what he did? He just stood there and took blow after blow after blow from these people who had come to his church because he was preaching the gospel. And he just took them blow after blow after blow. And after they finished with him, he wasn't dead, but after they beat him for a while, they went in and dragged more people out of the church and continued to do these very things. And they did it without resisting. What's God's plan in that? What's God up to in situations like that? Look, when we trust Jesus and we place our faith and our trust in his finished work on our behalf and we have this hope, we have this assurance of that God's ways are higher than our own plans, higher than our own plans. His ways are his own ways to accomplish redemption in his own, in his own people throughout the world, throughout, uh, throughout, throughout all different countries and all different tribes and races and nations drawing men and women to himself. And we're even in times of distress, just like this video that we saw of this pastor and his people dragged out and beaten. Even if we're ever scared or worried or fearful for our own lives, it is this biblical hope that I'm talking about that can carry us through it. Biblical hope doesn't come because things are just hunky-dory. Biblical hope doesn't come because all things are necessarily just going well. On the contrary, it is celebrated and it literally comes to the surface when we're in the midst of tribulation. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 says this. You can turn there with me if you want to. says, uh, Paul wrote this, and uh, this is what he said. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And he's not saying that I hope I see the glory of God. He's saying uh, we rest and, 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 and we, uh, we obtain this face by the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the promise of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces what? Hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Now, if you've repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, Jesus, if you are a Christian today, and I'm not talking about some prayer you prayed when you were a kid and there's been no life change in you. I'm talking about if you belong to the Lord, if your life has been changed and you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, if that is you, then you get this. That's what the text is talking about. It says that God pours out his Holy Spirit within us, and in that creates hope, in, in that creates this great blessed assurance in us that all these things are true, that even in the face of persecution, even in the face of difficulties, even in the uh, face of being beaten with sticks by people that want you to shut your mouth because you're preaching the gospel, that you can still have hope. 
You can still have this trusted assurance, this blessed assurance in God that what he says and what he has done is true, that what he has done is actually completed work on our behalf, and what he says is actually true. Which says this, that hope is a gift from God. Hope is this gift from God. Hope is not something that we muster up within ourselves. We don't muster up more hope. Hope is a gift that comes to us from the Holy Spirit. In Jeremiah, God was revealing his plan to give us this hope forever. Not only, uh, as, as Jeremiah was writing, not only deliverance from their, their enemies that they found there in the Old Testament during his writings, but a new life uh, root, uh, rooted firmly in the promises of God. Our hope in Jesus is placed in a gift that we simply cannot achieve on our own. We have hope, we have this assurance, because God has promised us to enter into this secret place behind the curtain, a place that nobody got to go on their own. But God has opened the curtain and allowed us in, Old Testament reference, to go in and enter into the Holy of Holies and be with him. Hope is the sure and steadfast anchor for our soul. Hebrews 6.18 says, says this, So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have a strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. And again, Romans chapter 5.5 5, that, we, that we've already read, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It is God who gives all things, including this hope by which we live. Which leads me back to Advent. This gift of hope is found in Jesus. This hope and this trust in God is a sure and steadfast hope. The foundation on which our faith actually rests that he gives us eternal life in Christ Jesus. Hope uh, believes that even death cannot hold us from back from God's promises and God's eternal plan to give us eternal life, to live within us forever, to fully indwell us forever. That there's nothing that can come along and dash our hopes for what it is to be a part of God's family forever. Our, hope, our biblical hope holds fast to the deliverer, the one who has rescued us from sin and death and put our blessed faith in him. And so the question has to be asked today, do you have this biblical hope? That's a question that each of us must answer today. That, that, is, a, that is an eternal question. That is a foundational question to, to Christian faith is do you have this biblical hope? Are you longing for something or, or maybe even better, someone to cling to, to hold fast to for your salvation? And I would actually say, and I'll say it in a minute, that, that actually he's holding on to us. This hope is not dependent on how tightly you hold on to Jesus or how tightly you grip onto him. Oh, my, my hands are slipping, my hands are getting weak, and I've fallen away. It's not dependent on us holding on to him. It's depending on him holding on to us. 
Hope entered our world in Jesus Christ. This Advent season, whenever Jesus came and entered into our world, hope came with him at the first Advent. The scriptures remind us that by him and through him and to him are all things. And again, this is even better news, that he holds all things together by the power of his word, including holding on to you. So faith in Jesus or hope in Jesus, the eternal truth in Jesus is not wishful thinking. It's this blessed assurance that the gospel is true, that Jesus came, Jesus lived a sinless life that we're called to live. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. Listen, that's the glorious thing, that once you put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, you no longer have to pay the penalty for your sin. You no longer have to face the wrath of God for your sins because Jesus has already taken the wrath for you. And he'll not punish you again. Jesus, said, Jesus will say, I've already taken the wrath for that. I've already paid the penalty for that sin on the cross. You've already punished me, Father, for the sins of Scott Benjamin. So he doesn't have to endure those, that punishment from you anymore. That Jesus died on a cross according to the scriptures. That Jesus was raised from the dead. And he is ever interceding at the right hand of the Father for his people. And that Jesus will never allow his people to be snatched out of his hands. We call that eternal security. That's a, that's a terminology that we use for that. That once you repent and believe the gospel, and literally, that's not, not just going through the motions, but literally repenting, turning from your sins, and saying, Jesus, you are my only hope in life and death, that you are eternally his, and nobody will snatch you out of his hand. So in this season, when we celebrate Advent, or the first coming of Jesus, he brought hope, a sure and steady foundation for you and me as followers of his that there is salvation found in no other. There's no other name given under heaven and earth whereby we must be saved. That there's this heavenly promise that God will save you and God will keep you and God doesn't break his promises. That there's this God-given gift to mankind that Jesus comes to rescue sinners. Paul wrote, he said, hey, Jesus came to rescue sinners of which I am the, utter, I, I, I am the chief sinner. And many of us can say that same thing. I could have been the chief sinner. And Jesus came and rescued me. And no matter where you are and what you think you've done, even you may think you're the biggest, chiefest sinner. And Jesus will rescue you too. He'll give you hope today. How does that happen? To those who repent of their sins, who turn from their sins, put their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, he grants us eternal life. He grants us eternal life. Your hope can be built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You'll be saved. You'll belong to him. You'll be born again. There's a song that I'm not going to sing that says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame or any moments that have just been good where I've been good. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground, anything else is what? Sinking sand, all other ground 
is sinking sand. During this Advent season, what a blessed hope or blessed assurance you can embrace today to know that you are his and he is yours. So today, on this first Sunday of Advent, when Jesus came to us, place your hope. Place your eternal life, your eternal future in Jesus' finished work on your behalf. And today, where Jesus came to us in the first advent, today, you come to Jesus. Let me pray for us.